2: The president gives an hour-long speech to Congress, but his real audience is the American family, whom he vows over and over to protect from terror, from jobs leaving America, and from an era of globalization that has threatened the promise of America first. It's Wednesday, March 1st.
0: Mr. Speaker,
2: the president of the United States. On Tuesday night at 9 p.m., Donald Trump walked onto the floor of the United States House of Representatives to formally address Congress in their chambers for the first time as president.
3: Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker, Mr. Vice President, members of Congress, the First Lady of the United States. He started by telling a story. In nine years, the United States will celebrate the 250th anniversary of our founding, 250 years since the day we declared our independence. It will be one of the great milestones in the history of the world. But what will America look like as we reach our 250th year? What kind of country will we leave for our children? It was a story of where America has been. For too long, we've watched our middle class shrink as we've exported our jobs and wealth to foreign countries. What it's done wrong. We've defended the borders of other nations while leaving our own borders wide open for anyone to cross and for drugs to pour in at a now unprecedented rate. And we've spent trillions and trillions of dollars overseas while our infrastructure at home has so badly crumbled. And then of a movement. Then in 2016, the earth shifted. A groundswell that brought him to power. The rebellion started as a quiet protest, spoken by families of all colors and creeds, families who just wanted a fair shot for their children, and a fair hearing for their concerns. But then the quiet voices became a loud chorus as thousands of citizens now spoke out together from cities small and large all across our country.
2: And that by electing him, made a case for what America should be.
3: And they were all united by one very simple but crucial demand, that America must put its own citizens first Because only then can we truly make America great again.
2: Shortly after the president finished speaking, I spoke with two of my colleagues, Patrick Healy, who covered Trump as a candidate, and Carl Hulse, who has reported on Congress for years. Carl, Pat, thank you for joining me so late this evening. Happy to do it.
1: Great to be here. So, Pat, what did you hear in this message? This hasn't been the Trump that I've heard the last 40 days.
3: Solving these and so many other pressing problems will require us to work past the differences of party. It will require us to tap into the American spirit that has overcome every challenge throughout our long and storied it
1: was the Trump that I heard on the telephone, you know, every time we talked, which was more of a, a people-pleasing Trump, as someone who was trying to win me over, who was trying to sound open-minded and...
3: On this and so many other things, Democrats and Republicans should get together and unite for the good of our country.
1: It felt a lot more like the Trump who was trying to appeal to the middle, appeal to independence,
3: win My people administration over. administration wants to work with members of both parties to make child care accessible and affordable, to help ensure new parents that they have paid family leave.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with Pat. I, I think it was, along with the night of the nomination of Neil Gorsuch, I think it was by far his most presidential he obviously was trying to not deliver that inaugural speech again, right? That dark speech about America. I thought this, as someone who has seen, I hate to say how many of these I've seen, but you know, dozens, uh, I thought it was a super conventional uh, speech. It was the kind of speech the presidents typically give. I, I kept wondering throughout the speech if some of his supporters weren't uh, disappointed he wasn't more in your face. But to me, it was, it was sort of standard, uh, a lot of boilerplate, you know, laundry list of things he wants to do. However, you know, there was a lot of expressions of unity there, but you can't be unifying in that setting when you're telling half of the crowd that one of the biggest things they think they've done is a terrible thing. And that would be? Obamacare.
3: Tonight, I am also calling on this Congress to repeal and replace Obamacare. Yeah.
0: And, you know, he talked pretty extensively about what he wants to do, but how bad it is. It's unsustainable and collapsing. They just do not see that. They think they've done a great thing. So, you know, you can call for unity all you want, but he was also telling them you've done a terrible thing and we're going to get rid of
3: it. So I am calling on all Democrats and Republicans in Congress to work with us to save Americans from this imploding Obamacare disaster.
1: And that's where you saw the body language most vivid. I mean, you've got half the room sort of standing and applauding and Paul Ryan, I've never seen Paul Ryan look so happy. I mean, he's right. smiling and he's speaker nodding of the house, away right. speaker that up up, up up and down the entire night. Up and down all night, all night. And this was a guy who had called on Trump throughout the campaign to be a unity candidate and finally Trump is literally using the word unity in the first 2 minutes of this speech.
3: I am here tonight to deliver a message of unity and strength. And it is a message deeply delivered from my heart.
1: And then you have half of the room that is sitting there, you know, with their dour expressions on their faces, you know, not applauding, not shaking standing. her
0: head, Nancy Pelosi, right? Exactly.
1: And 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 he's pointing at her, Nancy Pelosi, at one point, the Democratic Minority Leader. She looks very unhappy. But but then, Carl, I did have the moment where I had to think, well, you know, this wasn't so long ago. It Was in fact a year ago, where President Obama was in that in that well, and you had Democrats on their feet and Republicans sitting. Right.
0: Yeah.
2: There were these moments which you referred to of the president pointing in the direction of specific leaders of the opposite party, and it felt like not just a message of unity, but an actual call to action. To participation.
0: Yeah, I, I think that he was trying to do that, but I don't think it had much effect because I, I'm already getting bombarded with uh, Democratic emails, Democratic fundraising emails. Uh, this didn't move them anywhere. And if Trump hoped that it was going to, the best one I got uh, tonight was from Earl Blumenauer, a very progressive Democrat from Oregon. He had a one word statement quote, resist. End quote. So, you know, they, they weren't won over by Trump tonight.
3: We are removing gang members, drug dealers, and criminals that threaten our communities and prey on our very innocent citizens.
2: What felt like one of the most dominant themes of the night, which was protection, kind of Donald Trump as a protective figure. He said he would protect Americans from...
3: We are also taking strong measures to protect our nation from radical Islamic terrorism. Illegal immigrations. Bad ones are going out as I speak. Protect them from crime. Protect and defend the citizens of the United States. Protect them from the scourge of drugs. Our terrible drug epidemic will slow down and ultimately stop.
2: What was going on with that repeated thematic message?
1: It was Americans, but it was also specifically families. I mean, this was him trying to be very, very personal, you know, almost kind of
3: paternal in a certain way. Millions lifted from welfare to work is not too much to expect. And streets where mothers are safe from fear, schools where children learn in peace and jobs where Americans prosper and grow are not too much to ask.
1: It's not just making America great again, it's protecting America from enemies that you can see, that we know, that are unseen. You know, very much trying to convey a sense of, you know, strength and sort of confidence. To my eyes, nothing embodied this idea of protection,
2: Donald Trump as protector, more than all the people he brought into the Capitol tonight.
3: Today is Rare Disease Day, and joining us in the gallery is a rare disease survivor, Megan Crowley.
2: All of them, when you think about it, were victims of some kind. There was a woman with a very rare disease. There was a family who lost a loved one to undocumented immigrants, to crime. And then in what was unquestionably the most dramatic moment of the night... We are
3: blessed to be joined tonight by Corinne Owens, the widow of U.S. Navy Special Operator, Senior Chief William Ryan Owens.
2: The widow of William Ryan Owens, who's a Navy SEAL and was killed during a commando raid that the president authorized in Yemen.
3: Ryan died as he lived, a warrior and a hero, battling against terrorism and securing our nation. What
2: did you see in all of those people and in his interactions
1: with them? I haven't seen such a powerful call out to the gallery and to you know fellow americans in in recent memory i mean he really went to regular americans you know to make the points that he was on the side of people who had suffered some kind of a loss or struggle i mean he, he basically was aligning himself with a lot of people who democrats traditionally mm-hmm. sort of champion and cheer on and he had that most powerful theatrical moment of the night where he led Republicans and Democrats in a long applause for the widow of Ryan Owens, and he did not
3: stop. Ryan's legacy is etched into eternity. Thank you.
1: He kept applauding. You could hear, you can hear his, clap. you could hear his clap louder than anyone else, probably because of, you know it was his mic. But he did not stop. And you saw the widow, you know, turning her eyes skyward, you know, toward heaven, and making this kind of very visible, visceral connection. You just have to imagine if this thing was being dial tested in focus groups, people, no matter what their ideology, probably were turning
0: those dials off the charts. Yeah, I mean, I think that was unquestionably the most emotional moment of the night. But, of course, again, there's some politics here. He is under a little bit more scrutiny now for that raid in Yemen. Uh, There's been some reports that they really didn't get any usable substantial intelligence out of it. I do think that his interaction, uh, Michael, to what you said with the people does show that he has a bond with these people. He's interacted with them. It was very humanizing, you know, the way he talked about it. You could tell that he knew them and knew their stories and had spent some time with them. And honestly, that's not always the case in these situations where right. you know, people are brought in to make a point and the, you know, there may be some brief interaction. But I did get the sense that the president really knew these stories. And
3: Ryan is looking down right now. You know that. And he's very happy because I think he just broke a record.
2: <laughs> We've been talking about this idea of Donald Trump as protector and the people in the audience who needed protection and the Americans watching who may want a protector. But what was interesting about the message from Donald Trump, the commander in chief and protector here was that it was ideologically kind of confusing. It wasn't a Republican message of kind of protection or just a
1: democratic message of protection. It was kind of all over the place. He, he was sort of redefining the idea of mommy government and daddy government. He he saw a role very much for government. He did shout-outs to, to tax credits, to education reform, to replacing Obamacare with something specific, to a trillion dollars in
0: infrastructure, which is right out of Bernie Sanders and some liberal Democrats. I think he was definitely uh, reaching out to minorities tonight. You know, he opened it with... Uh, Acknowledgement
3: of Black History Month. Tonight, as we mark the conclusion of our celebration of Black History Month, we are reminded of our nation's path towards civil rights and the work that still remains to be done.
0: Recent threats. I think Pat's right. It did seem like a reach to the mill, because he already has his, his side. He's probably not going to get the Democrats, so, so who's in play? So immigration, the president's approach to
2: immigration has been probably the most polarizing of all of the topics he's taken on
3: since his election, but he reframed it tonight. To any in Congress who do not believe we should enforce our laws, I would ask you this one question. What would you say to the American family that loses their jobs, their income, or their loved one because America refused to uphold its laws and defend its borders? that felt
1: effective incredibly he made it about families a lot of people can agree with that sentiment so that's to not, justify it just th- that's it. not how he's talked about it either as president
2: or as a candidate
1: in, in the, past. the past it's been us against them it's about demonizing the other it's about something's going on that we have to stop
0: i think it was an effort to put democrats on the defensive in this area instead of trump having to explain why he wants to deport people you know he's saying you should explain to me why you want to stick up up for these people who are hurting your constituents you know we'll see where it goes i think it's potentially effective so in the end it felt he was
2: effective even if even if unity may be elusive in communicating
1: well, look at, a vision, look at it this way. I think Democrats sitting there probably thought he was effective. It didn't mean that they were winning. That he was winning them over, but they probably knew that he was giving a different kind of Trump speech than they certainly heard at the inauguration, and that they were able to, you know, fight back against on the campaign trail. I think that they. They knew that. Now, whether that puts them on notice that they're going to have to start working with this guy. I mean, we know how gerrymandered congressional districts are. I don't think there are a lot of Democrats who are going to feel tonight. Oh, God, am I going to get reelected, you know, in two years unless I work Mm -hmm. with this new version of President Trump? And also, let's remember, this is a man who has enormous capacity to tweet something tomorrow or to say something off the cuff that alienates people yet again.
3: I am asking all citizens to embrace this renewal of the American spirit. I am asking all members of Congress to join me in dreaming big and bold and daring things for our country. I am asking everyone watching tonight to seize this moment, believe in yourselves, believe in your future, and believe once more in America. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless the United States.
2: Gentlemen, on that note, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, Mike. Good evening and good night. See you guys. Night. Cheers. We'll be right back. Every meal we eat has a history and a future. And on Next bite, a new podcast from Chobani, we'll hear from changemakers in the food world, like Native American chef Sean Sherman.
1: I want the next generation of kids to have better access out there, and I want to see a lot of education around why their Indigenous ancestors' knowledge is so important when it comes to that connection of the world, the connection to the plants.
2: Hear how Sean is revitalizing Indigenous
1: foods on Next bite. wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Here's what else you need to know today. Hours before his speech to Congress, President Trump seemed to break from his consistent, strict vision of immigration reform. In an off-the-record lunch with TV news anchors, Trump said he's open to a bill that would allow millions of undocumented immigrants to stay in the country legally. The president suggested he might even write that into his speech to Congress, which sent aides running to alert Steve Bannon and Stephen Miller, advise the president on immigration. In the end, the speech made no mention of such a plan. And in a meeting with attorneys general from across the country, Jeff Sessions, the new United States Attorney General, said that police departments would benefit from less federal scrutiny. The Obama White House used the Attorney General's office to investigate local police and hold them accountable during a period of rising racial tension. Sessions indicated he would back away from that approach.
3: But we need, so far as we can, in my view, help police departments get better, not diminish their effectiveness. And I'm afraid we've done some of that. So we're going to try to pull back on this. Finally,
2: former President Barack Obama and former First Lady Michelle Obama have signed a deal to write separate books about their time in the White House. Intense bidding by publishers for the two-book deal reached into the tens of millions of dollars. The winning bid came from Penguin Random House, which said the books would be, quote, global publishing events of unprecedented scope and significance. That's it for The Daily. I'm Michael Barbaro. See you tomorrow.
0: When times became uncertain, Womply pivoted their technology platform and committed to help small businesses and self-employed workers get approved for their PPP loan. In just a few months, Womply has helped 1 million businesses across America to secure much-needed funding so they can continue to stay open and serve their communities. Womply helps small businesses thrive. Visit Womply.com to learn more.